am I? We should all ask that. We reflect upon God's goodness in our lives. You have your Bibles. I want you to take them to 1 Samuel chapter number 2. We're going to look at verses 27 through 36. And I want to speak to you on this first Sunday of 2023 on a a subject of honoring God. The principle of honoring God. Here in the middle of this passage of scripture, God sends a prophet to Eli, the high priest at the time of Israel in this this time, just coming off the days of the judges, just coming off the time of Ruth. And this prophet has something very important to say to Eli. And I want us to look at that and think about the principle of honoring God. 1 Samuel chapter number 2, look at verse 27. And there came a man of God unto Eli and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Did I plainly appear unto the house of thy father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? And did I choose out him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon mine altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? And did I give unto the house of thy father all the offerings made by fire of the children of Israel? Wherefore, wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice, at mine offering, which I have commanded in my habitation, and honorest thy sons above me to make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Wherefore, the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed, that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord saith, be it far from me. For them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days come that I will cut off thine arm and the arm of thy father's house and there shall not be an old man in thine house. And thou shalt see an enemy in my habitation and all of the wealth which God shall give to Israel. And there shall not be an old man in thy house forever. And the man of thine whom I shall not cut from thine altar shall be to consume thine eyes and to grieve thine heart. And all the increase of thine house shall die in the flower of their age. This shall be a sign unto thee that shall come upon thy two sons on Hopni and Phinehas. In one day they shall die, both of them. And I will raise me up a faithful priest that shall do according to that which I, which is in mine heart and in my mind. And I will build him a sure house. And he shall walk before mine anointed forever. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left in thine house shall come and crouch to him for a piece of silver and a morsel of bread. And shall say, put me, I pray thee, into one of the priest's offices that I may eat a piece of bread. Again. This morning, I want to speak to you on the principle of honoring God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you this morning. Thank you for your grace. I pray that it is in the heart of every individual in this room to look at this oncoming year, the gift of time that we have, and to say like David, who am I? Who am I that you would be gracious to me? Oh, how amazing grace is. I was lost And now I am found. I was blind and now I see. And God, now that we are in this state, I pray that you would teach us from the Word of God the vital importance of honoring you in every facet of our life. As as your son spoke with mind, with heart, with strength to put the Lord God first in our lives. God, teach us from the poor example 
of Eli and his two sons teaches from the great example of Samuel and so many across the vast spectrum of Scripture, those that honored God and you honored them. God, help us to implement this in our lives, not only in this year, but all the years to come, to honor you in every facet of our life. Father, we ask this in Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. I can never read verse number 30 in the words of this prophet to Eli without thinking of Eric Little, the son of James Little, a Scottish missionary to China. Now you may remember the name Eric Little from the Academy Award winning film called Chariots of Fire. How many of you remember that movie from the 80s? Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, we could all listen to the score of that or you hear it in our, our heads, but The story actually is from history. While in a boarding school in Great Britain, Eric Little excelled in studies and in sports. He was involved in Christian activities and was a faithful Bible study and church attendance. When he went to the university, he joined the track team and was was a highly decorated athlete because of his exceptional running speed. He was considered a national treasure to the country of Scotland. His athletic career led him all the way to the 1924 Olympics to fame uh, and his faith his fame and his faith opened up doors of opportunity for him to witness for Christ all over the world through the newspapers and and the different uh, coverage of this. Also venues would open to these athletes for him to share his faith. But his love for the Lord was tested in the Paris Olympics when his favorite race, the 100-meter sprint, which he was favored to win by a landslide uh, by all of the experts in the sport, was scheduled on Sunday. Eric had a conviction about not competing on Sunday because it was the Lord's Day. Now, in spite of pressure and criticism, he did not run the 100-meter race, but instead he entered a race that was on a different day, the 400-meter race. Now, this was a race that they gave him very little chance of winning. Of course, 100 meters is just one lap around around the track, and uh, uh, Eric Little being a sudden rush, a sudden runner, uh, a one of a burst of speed, Uh, They thought that four laps would just tire him out, and by the end of the race, he would falter and lose. And so people people were very looking down upon Eric Little. Just before the race, when he was in the dressing room, one of the men who assisted Eric's trainer slipped him a note that read this. In the old book it says, He that honors me, I will honor. Wishing you the best of success. You see, this person admired the stand that Eric Little took in honoring his God. Even though to many it was to his disadvantage. The world watched in wonder as this unusual young man not only won the 400 meter and taking the gold medal, but broke the world record in the process. They all expected him to slow down in those final laps, but all he did was increase his speed. Eric Little would go on to continue to honor God in his life. And as a missionary in China, he followed his father's footsteps. With the declaration of war between Japan and Great Britain in World War II, many of the missionaries left, although Eric Little did not. He was taken prisoner and eventually died in a Japanese prison in China in February 21, 1945. Eric Little lived a life that exemplified the words in verse number 30 from this unnamed prophet, He that honors me... I will honor. And what was true for Eric Little is also true for us as well. For what the old book said to Eric Little, it says to you today, they that honor me, I will honor. If we honor God, God will honor us. 
the scriptural principle has been a beacon of direction in many of distressing decisions. It has been a word of comfort and assurance in many a stormy night of my own life. It has been the decorative ribbon atop many of the blessings in my life and the life of my family. If I'll honor God, God will honor me. I want to encourage you today from this text at the heart of which is a beautiful fragment of divine revelation that ought to be the banner that flies over your life and family as well as mine. They that honor me, I will honor. I believe that this truth is a biblical principle and it is revealed to us not only in the entire not only in this passage of scripture but through the entirety of the revelation of God every one of us can lay hold of and understand the principle of honoring God by following three instructions three instructions that will be done number 1 i want you to see the pattern displayed i want you to see the pattern displayed this promise uh, that is given to us by this unnamed prophet, it falls in a passage of Scripture in which it is displayed in the negative. When you're looking at the story of Eli and, uh, Eli and his sons, Hopni and Phinehas, it is very much a picture of those that did not honor God. By the time we come to verse 27, we can imagine uh, these people in the, if you understand something of the context, these young men that were Eli's son, Eli was the high priest and his sons, Hopna and Phinehas, were priests as well. They had become extorters of God's people. They had been using their offices for, for their own gain. And you can imagine the people that were returning from the tabernacle were a lot like the people uh, uh, that might be of our day and time. Let's see if as a pastor, a pastor would be taking advantage of other people. And they might be saying, like these two sons, Hope Nine and Phinehas, they were stealing the offerings for themselves. They were basically taking what was they were giving to God and taking it for themselves. They were acting inappropriately with the women that came to the tabernacle. How sick and disgusting this was going on. And you can imagine the people who are seeing this take place saying, why doesn't God do something? Doesn't he see? Well, the reality is he does see. He has, and he has sent his servant to reveal his plans to set things aright. Notice, first of all, when we see this pattern displayed, I want you to see it, first of all, in service. In service. Verse 27 talks about this man of God that came to Eli. So thus saith the Lord, Did I plainly appear unto the house of thy father when they were in Egypt, in Pharaoh's house? And did I choose out of all of the tribes of Israel to be my priests and offer a mine altar to burn incense, to wear the ephod before me? And did I give unto the house of thy father all the offerings made by fire of the children of Israel? Wherefore kick ye at the sacrifice of my offering, which I have commanded in my habitation, and honorest thy sons above me to make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel of my people. When we think about this principle of honoring God, we think about in the principle in verse number 30, we need to remember that it's in the context of the wickedness of Eli's ministry household. What was going on in the service of the tabernacle. God reminds Eli of all the privileges that had been given to him. He was of a special line. It's not like today, you know. Uh, today in our day and time, and I, I'm just as much as for it as any man, but anybody that has an inkling uh, can wave a hand and say, God's called me up uh, to be a preacher, and, and, uh, and, and if the church lays its support behind them, then so be it. But anybody can raise a hand and say, I, I can be in leadership before God's people. That wasn't so in the Old Testament. 
You had to be from the line of Aaron. It was a special line. A line of, as he points out in this verse, a line that God had appeared himself to. A special line. God had revealed himself to Aaron. God had chosen him as high priest. God had chosen his prodigy to be a high priest and priest of his, his tabernacle, his temple. This, this extraordinary office of the high priest was of a select group. God gave this and his family the portion that was designated to the Aaronic priesthood. Although, if you, you'll go back and read in the book of Joshua, when they took the land, and Zebulun had a section, and, and uh, all these other tribes had sections of land, but for the Aaronic, the, the lineage of Aaron, there was none. Why? Because their, their inheritance was God. They were the priests. Their inheritance was not a piece of land. It was the Lord. They, what fell to the Lord, gave a, a great portion was given to the priests. So get this straight. They didn't have places in which they could grow crop, crops and sell crops and make money. The priests would simply do the sacrifices, do the things ordered by God in the tabernacle, in rotation, in prayers, in sacrifices. They did all that work. But in that work, they were allowed to take a portion of that offering that was given to God for themselves. So I don't want you to think that Hopni and Phinehas and Eli were completely out of line by taking a portion of the sacrifices to themselves to eat and to nourish themselves and nourish their families. But they were given a livelihood, a good livelihood. And what did they do? They kicked at it. Notice this, pri this priest is saying uh, from God, Wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice? They were kicking aside the great privileges that were given to them. They thought of them as nothing. They did not take seriously what God had provided for them. Notice also the fat. The fat of offerings. One of the, it is this fat of offerings is in reference to the best part of the offering. Let's say a, an individual member uh, or somebody brings a calf to sacrifice. They would uh, see to it that the calf was clean and that it was acceptable to sacrifice. It would be sacrificed. It would be flayed. It would be uh, put into order in bits. Portions of it would be burnt to the Lord in the fire. Uh, but other portions would be kept by the priest to eat. To provide for their family. They could even sell that for, uh, for their, so they have a livelihood to provide for their families, right? And so this is what God had provided for them to do that. But always in the law of God, the fat, the best part, everybody says fat's bad, but the reality, God prizes fat. Amen. Hey, all you people being burdened down with your New Year's resolutions to lose weight, God prizes fat. Amen. And, and, and fat was supposed to be his portion. Maybe not yours. Here we, here's, where we, here's where we run into conviction. It might not be your portion, but it's to be God's portion. And what they were doing was stealing the preferred part, the best part, the fatty part for themselves. Although Eli is not named as one of the perpetrators of stealing from God, the allegations is that he was an accomplished. Look with me at chapter 4 and verse number 18. And it came to pass when he made mention of the ark that he fell off the seat backwards by the side of the gate and his neck broke and he died for he was an old man and heavy. Maybe this is, maybe this is more convicting today than, than I thought, you know. <laughs> He was heavy, and he had judged Israel 40 years. Here we find that he was heavy with the fats of the offerings that were to be given to God. He, he, made, he, he was made fat by looking the other way and claiming ignorance of what his sons were doing. Listen, there is an application to the leadership of God's people. God's people, we can't deny this, that the standard 
was set very high for Eli. God told him explicitly how he he was to conduct himself, how he was to take offerings, how he was to be. And he and he turned a blind eye. His sons actively participated in that which was contrary to God's law. But there's an application to the leadership of God's people. There is a foolhardy attitude that can come over the pastor that can preach one way and live another. This text assures us that God is watching. Like Hannah's song earlier, it talks about how that she sings about how God weighs the actions of those that he sees. There is an example of dishonoring God in the ministry, but at the same time, we look at every one of us, all of us have been given privilege through the New Testament, through salvation in Jesus Christ, to offer up praises and worship to God. You see, the church is what God had idealized for Israel when He brought them out of Egypt. They were to be a nation of priests. Do you remember they faltered? They sinned against God. The the commandments were broken. Therefore, God selected one group to be priests. Now, in this restoration, we all are given the role of priests to offer sacrifice of praise, even the fruit of our lips, to God. But we also have the standard upon which not to take advantage or for granted that which God has given us. That's what they were doing. Look at also back in chapter number 2 and verse number 29. Verse number 29. I want you to see not only in service or in ministry, but in the family. Look at verse 29. Wherefore, ye, uh, wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice and at mine offering, which I have commanded in my habitation, and honorest thy sons above me. To make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of, the, of Israel, my people. Notice what the prophet said. God focuses in on not necessarily the ministry relationship, but the family relationship. He, the accusation is that Eli was honoring his sons more than he was honoring God. And this gets at the whole heart Of them that honor me, I will honor. Here he tells Eli, you're honoring your sons above me. Maybe it was Eli that was more afraid of his sons than he was of his God. You think about the average day at the tabernacle. This is all speculation. But there was only tents in the tabernacle. Eli's in his his canvas office there as the high priest doing some paperwork and he hears just outside the tent a commotion going on and some some voice of the people say hey you can't take that that's for my family or that's for my God and he hears the voice of hope night ah no it's mine all of it's mine to take he hears his son a voice thundering and threatening with the temple guards to silence the man. Then he hears his other son, Phinehas, seducing some women just outside the canvas of his tent. He thinks to himself, now's not the time to deal with that. There's a time and place for all things. A season unto which all time, all things are to be done. So now's not the time. I'll address it later. And then later comes and he doesn't deal with it. He lets it go by. He doesn't deal with the family situation. I think Eli is a lot like Sergeant Schultz from my favorite reruns as a kid, Hogan's Heroes. How many remember Hogan's Heroes? And uh, Hogan's Heroes, Grayson, for you to understand, Hogan's Heroes is an old TV show. It's about a group of Americans that were POWs in World War II, and they were guarded by these Nazis. And the Nazis were idiots. Matter of fact, one particular one was the doofus of them all. You remember Sergeant Schultz, I think it was his name? And Sergeant Schultz wa- was always duped by the Americans and they had, they had sophisticated things going on in their, in their cells and every now and then Sergeant Schultz would kind of stumble in on them doing something they shouldn't and Schultz would go, I see nothing 
I see nothing. He would just ignore it. It's like a lot of us are. When we're in our families, when we're among our friends, or among those that are close to, those we're charged to be in somewhat responsible for. I see nothing. That's what Eli was doing. He was turning a blind eye to what they were obviously doing. In the world today, uh, the world would tell you that you need to be your child's best friend. Never deal harshly with them. Look, look at chapter 2 and verse 24. Here he, he's, de- he's trying to deal with his son. Look at verse 23. And he said, that, Why do ye such things? For I hear of your evil dealings of all the people. Nay, my sons, for it is not good report that I hear ye make the Lord's people to transgress. Oh, bad boys. It's a little slap on the wrist. A little tisk tisk. Look at chapter 3 and verse 13. For I have told you that I am... I am, I will, I said, for I told you, I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth because his sons made themselves vile. Listen to this. He restrained them not. I know for a large majority in here, most of us have children that are gone and grown, and we can have a certain amount of influence, but they're. There needs to be also the communication of this truth to our children for the sake of our grandchildren. That this Eli did not not properly admonish his children but ignored them. He would not restrain them and it cost them dearly. He did not restrain. Matter of fact, the word uh, means uh, to darken. He didn't deal with them harshly. He didn't deal with them with a darkened countenance he didn't deal with them listen it all boils down to teaching our children and hopefully our children teaching their children according to the Bible and not according to Dr. Phil or or the latest TikToks about how we should deal with our children or what they're saying on Facebook about about the proper way uh, to, to rear a child see the pattern here displayed That of not honoring God. Refusing to honor God. Notice second of all. See the pattern. Not only see the pattern displayed. But hear the precept declared. The precept declared. Verse number 30. Wherefore the Lord said uh, of Israel. The Lord God of Israel saith. I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father. Should walk before me forever. But now. The Lord saith, be it far from me. For them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightliest things. When it comes to this verse, I always remember my pastor years ago. Uh, my pastor was from North Carolina, called to preach as a young man. He'd come down to Tennessee Temple. And uh, he was, man, it was just dry as cracker juice. He said everywhere he went. It was terrible. The chapel services were awful. It wasn't like what he was used to. And he heard about the evangelist club. He said, man, somebody said, man, you need to go to the evangelist club. And one night he went to the evangelist club and they had in Brother Ed Ballou. I don't know if any of you know Brother Ed Ballou. Just a wild preacher, great man of God. Used used greatly, particularly in our region of the country. And uh, Ed Ballou got up that night. And Brother Ken, my pastor, was there the first time. And he preached that message. He preached the message on this very text. Them that honor me, I will honor. My pastor used to talk about how he, he shouted that place down with all of his friends. And it got unruly in that room. And that message made a powerful impact for the rest of his life. And his preaching of that same subject, that same principle has made an impact on my life. And although I'm not Ed Ballou and I'm not Crin Trivet, I hope this same message has an impact on yours as well. Notice the anticipation of abandoning God. Notice in verse number 39, the word honor. The word honor there, them that honor me, is a word that means heavy. You think about it this way. Imagine I had a, a, a bowling ball right here. 
And uh, I asked Grayson to come up onto the stage and I, I took that bowling ball and I swung it and tossed it to him. Now, I, I have no doubt that Grayson more than likely would catch that bowling ball. But the reality is that the weight of it would cause him to move. He would, he would probably catch it and, and, and slowly stop it. It would probably force him back just a, a half a step or so. It would have, he would have a reaction to the weight of that bowling ball. Now, if I had a marble, a little tiny marble, and I brought him up on the stage, and I tossed him that marble, he could probably with one hand stick that hand out there and, well, he is a wrestler. He might miss it. I don't know. He, he Potentially. He would catch that marble and probably not move his finger. It probably wouldn't cause him to move back any or move to the side. He would just simply, the, the marble would hit the palm of his hand. It's not heavy at all. It doesn't cause him to move. This is the same truth given here. When God is weighty to us, when His words move us, when His threatenings cause us to fear, when His comforts cause us to relax, then the words of God are weighty in our life. Who was it that was weighty in the house of God at that time? It was Eli and his boys. Those were the ones that people were cowing down to. Those were the ones that threw their weight around in the tabernacle. They were the ones getting the fat. And God was the one that was going without. And when this happens, what can they anticipate? Look at verse 31. Behold, the days will come that I will cut off thine arm. And the arm of thy father's house. And there, shall be, uh, and there shall not be an old man in thy house. Thou shalt see an enemy in my tribulation and in all the wealth which God shall give Israel. And there shall not be an old man in thine house forever. And the man of thine whom I shall not cut off from thine altar shall be to consume thine eyes and to grieve thine heart. And in the increase of thine house shall die in the flower of their age. And this shall be a sign unto thee that shall come upon thy two sons, hope nine phenials, in one day they shall both die. It's not good news. Terrible. It's awful. God is saying, I'm not going to let any of your progeny grow old to be old men. They're going to die young. They're going to be starving. They're going to be begging. He talks about coming before them. and begging, Verse number 36, and begging for a piece of bread from the priests he'll cut their house off their boys will be taken in death there will be a short span of life listen when you leave off God you can anticipate sorrow is coming you say well brother Ronnie what about Bill Gates Elon Musk Jeff Bezos the most wealthy of people men of extraordinary wealth and comfort they give little care to the things of God but truth be told sometimes when you honor God at school you're going to get ridiculed sometimes when you have uh, some have lost jobs because of honoring God and sometimes these people of the world that don't know God they're going to look as though that they have the smile and the kiss of God on their lives because of the wealth and the comfort that they have but it's not the case at all in one of his sermons Spurgeon spoke about how that Alexander the Great had two nobles that had served him well to one he gave 10,000 talents of gold and to the other he gave a kiss the story goes on to say that he that had the money envied him that received the kiss Spurgeon went on to say one kiss from the mouth of God would outweigh all the kingdoms of the world. I would much rather have all have have the kiss of God on my life 
for honoring him and my children, my progeny, honoring him, my wife honoring him, I'm honoring him, have a church that honors God than to have all the wealth in the world. I would rather have the kiss of honoring God than have anything else in this world. Honor God. You may not have the gold of God in your pocket, but you'll have the kiss of God on your life. And there is also the well done, thou good and faithful servant, in the life to come. The anticipation of abandoning God. The expectation of esteeming God. Them that honor me, I will honor. In this passage of Scripture, we see the example of, of not honoring God. That's the most explicit in the context. Eli and his sons did not honor God, and God cursed their family, and it would come so. You need a couple of chapters. Hope and Phinehas were both killed in one day. <clears throat> and the, and the, uh, the ark of the Lord was stolen in that day. This is always the, the negative, but also in book of 1 Samuel, we see the man that did honor God, and God honored him. Look with me at chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3, look at verse 19. When all this was going on, Samuel was a young boy. I don't know if you know the story. Hannah prayed for a child. She was barren. God gave her Samuel. And then God, and then uh, Hannah gave Samuel back to the Lord. Matter of fact, when he was weaned, when he was a small boy, she literally gave him to the temple, to the tabernacle, to do all the menial work that goes on there. But Samuel grew in the sight of the Lord. And look at what it says in chapter 3 and verse number 19. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and he did let none of the words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of God. You read the context of that passage. Samuel, even as a small boy, spoke the words of God without hesitation, honored God with his speech and with his life. But we see this principle not only played out in this one scene, but practically all through the Bible. Enoch honored God devotionally. In Genesis 5.24, we find a man that honored God daily walking with God. God honored Enoch by taking him from taking him home to heaven without the pangs of death. Noah honored God obediently when all the world had never seen a raindrop and a worldwide flood was a laughable message to a world. God obeyed, I mean, Noah obeyed God and built an ark and God honored Noah in his obedience and delivered them from destruction. Abraham honored God faithfully when God called him to leave his homeland for a, a place he had never seen and called for the life of his son he had never thought he'd have to have he never thought he'd never have Abraham responded in faith and God honored him with descendants that that numbered in the stars of the sky Rahab honored God perilously at great danger and risk to herself and her family Rahab hid the Hebrew spies God honored her by delivering her and her family from the destruction of Jericho Job honored God Though pummeled and though plundered of his wealth and broken in health, Job patiently honored God through the storm of his life, saying, Naked came I into my mother, naked came I out of my mother's womb, naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, the Lord, the, uh, the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In the end, God honored Job by restoring to him his wealth, his family, as twice he was before. Elijah honored God boldly. When Elijah honored God, uh, uh, when Elijah honored God, when he uh, questioned the people, how long halt ye between two opinions and challenged the prophets of Baal, God honored him with fire from heaven. Daniel honored God persistently when con uh, conniving men outwardly uh, outlawed prayer uh, to none but the king. Daniel honored God by opening his windows toward Jerusalem and praying to God as he had done before. And God honored him by closing the mouths of lions. Mary honored God completely. The Virgin Mary honored God uh, with the virtue and godliness of her life. 
And God honored Mary in that she was a human vessel used for the incarnation of the Son of God. John honored God bravely when he appeared at the cross to watch his master die on the cross as others uh, as all the others fled, God honored Job by entrusting him with the care of his mother Mary. Mary Magdalene honored God lovingly when she came filled with sorrow to honor, uh, to honor the body of her Lord Jesus at the garden. She honored God. God honored Mary to be the one, the first see the resurrected Lord. Peter honored God exclusively when standing before the threatening Sanhedrin. But Peter honored God by declaring that neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name given under heaven where men might be saved. God honored Peter as primary apostle to the Jewish people, leading thousands to Christ in faith. Paul honored God passionately. When, his, when this persecutor turned pastor, this menace, a Christ, this menace to Christian turned missionary for Christ, honored God by crisscrossing the then known world, proclaiming the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, God honored Paul by using him to pin the majority of the New Testament before us and clearly defining the gospel of Jesus Christ and its impact on the life of those that receive it time and time and time again. The Word of God teaches us explicitly them that honor God, God will honor. The pattern displayed, the precept declared, finally, know the prov providential determination. The providential determination. In the remaining verses of this chapter, I believe one thing is clear. Whether I honor God or dishonor God. Whether you honor God or you dishonor God. God will accomplish His purposes one way or another. What God purposes to do does not rise and fall on yours or my faithfulness or the faithfulness of a pastor, the, the, the morals of a politician, the direction of a president. It's not up to them. God will accomplish His purposes. Notice the future effect. Verse 36, And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left in thine house shall come and crouch to him for a piece of silver and a morsel of bread and say, Put me, I pray thee, into one of the priest's offices that I may eat a piece of bread. I do want you to see very briefly the future of Eli's family. Do you remember how Eli and the boys were so fat? Remember how Eli fell over? He was a great or heavy. He was heavy. Uh, the boys were always eating the fatness. Fatness is a big theme in these verses. These men that did not honor God did not count Him as weighty in their life they were not only in, encountered the repercussions, but their future generations will be brought to poverty. These, this verse pictures them being reduced to begging for food. They were made skinny, starving. You said, Brother Ronnie, that, that doesn't seem fair. Listen, this is a picture of one generation walking in the footsteps of another. Now listen to me. Every generation that comes after us will stand accountable on their own account to God. I, I've seen godly men have children that, done, that went down paths of such wickedness and ungodliness that I know, I know that father did not in one way try to push them, lead an example to live that kind of life. And I, yet I've seen, I've seen, I've seen godly parents have children that completely threw off all of their parents' desires, admonitions, training that they put them through in their childhood. But the truth of the matter is, more often than not, our children follow in our footsteps. You ever heard the story about the old alcoholic father who one snowy night got a craving to go down to the bar and 
He's walking through the snow down to the bar. And as he looks behind him, there's his little toe-headed boy jumping in one step after another down to the bar. I know that's just a, a uh, little allegory. But the reality is, is so often our children do follow our example. I've seen it in generation after generation. It, it loosen and loosen and loosen with every generation. The, the hold to God. The, the importance that is placed upon God. The weightiness of God in each successive generation get less and less and less. I mean, if it's not important for you to be in church or for you to serve God or for you to honor God in your household, how do your children interpret that? They see the same, they say, well, if it's not important for them, it's really not important for me. And then, and then so on and so on forth for the grandchildren. Listen, when we don't honor God in our lives, it has an effect on future generations. But the faithful expectation, look at verse 35. And I will raise me up a faithful priest that will do according to that which is in mine heart and in my mind. And I will build him a sure house and he shall walk before mine anointed forever. Hope not, Phinehas and Eli have done all that they could to minimize and discredit the worship of God. They did horrible damage to the confidence of God in men. But no matter how bad the effect, God's still going to accomplish His purposes. You know, our newspapers and our Facebook feeds are quick to jump on the flawed and failed pastor and, uh, and uh, to smear uh, the, the ungodliness that has been brought to light in different ministries. I think about uh, a particular ministry in, in church uh, in Chattanooga, a church that at one time was thriving. Uh, and, and, and I didn't agree with their theology, but they were growing by leaps and bounds. They were probably one of the leading growth churches in America. And over the past year, the pastor was called in some, in some morally vulnerable situations, uh, broken marriage, an affair, and the next thing you know, all that's gone. Dissolved. Churches just barely filed for bankruptcy and all this kind of stuff. Listen, God's, don't let that dishearten you. God's going to accomplish His purposes. Verse 35 does seem to indicate that Samuel, what he's talking about, may be Samuel that is coming. Samuel would be a faithful priest. And he would be one that wouldn't let the words of the Lord fall. And I do believe this is in reference to Samuel. But what I do want to point out is that although Samuel would be a great priest, he is still only a man. He's not perfectly faithful to do all the things in the heart and the mind of the Lord. What one is? The Lord Jesus. He is the one that our hearts ache for. He is the one that truly above all honors God. Hebrews 4 14 through 16, seeing that we have a great high priest has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was at all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. It's Jesus. Even when we don't honor God as we should, Jesus is the one that always honored God. He's the one that we hold to. He's the one that we are by faith in, in Christ. He is the true one that honors God. Yet there's so many examples, but as I close, over the century and a half ago, I lived this humble pastor, a small village in Lancastershire, England. He had never attended a college, had no degrees. He was just an ordinary faithful pastor. In his church was a young cobbler 
to whom he had given special attention, teaching him the word of God. This young man was later to be the renowned William Carey, one of the greatest missionaries of modern times. The same pastor had a son, a boy, whom he taught faithfully and consistently encouraged. The boy's character and powers were profoundly affected by his father's life. The son was Robert Hall, the mightiest public orator of his day, whose sermons influenced the decisions of statesmen, whose character as godly as his preaching was phenomenal. It seemed this village pastor's life accomplished very little in its limited time. But his faithful witness... His godly life had much to do with giving India its William Carey and England its Robert Hall. God honors those that honor Him. As we start out on a new year, let us set ourselves to honor God. Let our, let our prayer be uh, 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 in the passage of Luke where the, the master comes and he sees a tree that has not produced fruit as it should. And, and the gardener says, just let it be. Let me dung it. Let me dig about it and see if, if this year it will bring forth fruit. Just give it a little space of time. Let that be our prayer. Oh God, let me honor you this year. God, dung about my life. Uh, dig about me. Shake things up. Change me. Clip my branches so that I might be fruitful. Help me to honor you. Because I know you'll honor me. You keep your word. Let's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. Dear Heavenly Father, God, as we approach a new year, I pray that you would, you would help us to honor you. God, let us not give in to the easy path of letting things slide, of, of not lending weight to what your word says, of not seeing the gravity and the importance of your commission, your calling, your gospel. God, let these things be weighty in our hearts and lives. Not things that we take lightly, but weighty. God, let us not be guilty of taking lightly the things of God because in doing so you will take us lightly in our prayers of desperation you'll take us lightly God I pray that we would take to heart the weighty things of God's word and your character they would be of great importance Father we ask this in Jesus precious name amen and amen